Hey everyone, can you believe it's the first week of September already? If you follow me on Instagram, you know that our life got a little crazy this week. Today on Bold Life Out Loud, we're going to talk about all things foster care and give you a real in-the-moment breakdown about our crazy yes. Welcome to Bold Life Out Loud, one woman's journey about living outside the normalcy box and the people doing life with me. Here's to living an authentic, messy life and sharing truth of real life lessons instead of the constant perfection feed. I'm Bonnie and welcome to my bold life I'm living out loud. Hey you guys. Welcome to episode two of Bold Life Out Loud podcast. Well, this was not what I was planning for episode two, but this right here is my real life and how I'm choosing to live it out loud and bold. If you are following me on Instagram at Geronimo Project, you know that our family said yes to two little people this week. And for those of you stumbling across this podcast, you get to dig a little deep with me and learn about foster care and how Our family is trying to change the battle plan for kids in our community and all over the country. So let's dig in on this crazy yes. So in Josephine County, the county that we live in, we are certified foster uh, family. And so what does that look like? Well, simply put, we took 30 hours of classroom training, a detailed background check on everyone that's 18 and over, and voila, we were foster parents. Of course, there is more that goes into it, but honestly, it's not that hard to become a foster parent in the state of Oregon and really all over the country. It may look a little bit different, but in general, it's not that hard. Um, So first off, let me break down some really quick stereotypes. We do not do it for the money. I make more money working, and honestly, for what we deal with, (laughs) with the reimbursement, Yeah, I said reimbursement because we pay up front for everything and then they repay a very small amount back to us. It's just not worth it. Um, The average here in Oregon is $6.50 a month per child. And so if you break that down uh, on an average of 30 days in a month and 24 hours in a day, that's 90 cents an hour. I don't know about you, but uh, 90 cents an hour doesn't seem very appealing to me. Um, And most of us foster because it's something that was laid on our heart. Yes, sadly, there are some bad ones that sneak in as they sneak into every industry. But generally, we do it because we truly want to see families healed. We want to see kids know that they are loved. And for me, it's a little deeper and something I will share with you on another episode. Today, I just want to kind of share with you what it looks like when we say yes to kids in care. Of course, I can go into more detail about foster care in general on another upcoming episode, but today, this is what our yes looks like. So, as I shared on another podcast, I recently went on a women's trip. And it always seems like when we have something special planned or we're going out of town, that's when we get the phone call. Um, You definitely always will receive phone calls on Fridays because that's when removals will happen right before the weekend and the offices are officially closed for the weekend. Um, So in, in general, that's when you receive a phone call. 
Um, so I received a phone call, but I was out on a women's trip um, for the whole weekend. So I didn't even really, I didn't respond. By the time I got the phone call, it was later in the evening. So I just deleted, deleted it. <laughs> I didn't really think that much about it to the point where I didn't even really mention it to my husband because I figured that they had been placed in a home and that there was no need for me to bring it up. Um, I personally, when I get phone calls like this, I'm a little sad because first off, it's a horrible situation to get a phone call about. Um, but I'm also a little sad that I wasn't able to say yes. In the same time, part of me is actually relieved that I wasn't available to say yes because our family's still recovering. We're still figuring things out from our last um, foster journey and our son that we adopted. Um, and right now, there's just so many unknowns. Um, we have gotten phone calls a few times, and I have said no because I knew it just wasn't the right fit. Um, so I went on my women's trip this weekend, enjoyed my time, came back on Sunday, started getting ready for the week to come, and um, I knew Monday I had chores to do because, of course, mom was gone all weekend. So we had laundry and, um, you know, the normal house cleaning, grocery, and all that stuff. And so as I was preparing everything on Monday and starting the laundry and getting my day going, um, I got a phone call from DHS, Department of Human Services, here in Oregon. And they basically said, hey, you know that the call that you got on Friday for the, the kids? Um, they're still needing a for." A forever now family is what I would say. Um, they were placed in what was called a temporary foster home, which meant that uh, some other foster family said yes for them, but just for the weekend. Anyone that's in the foster care system or that has been working with them knows that you have to have strong boundaries when it comes to dealing with them. Because the reality is they will call you, they will ask you to take in a kid, and they have no clue when the child will actually be coming and going. So if you as a family are saying yes, but you know you cannot do it for a long term, that's fine. You just have to be very upfront with your boundaries and what you are willing to do. So the foster family that took him in was like, hey, no, I have another child that this is just not going to work out with. Um, so they started shopping around for families. Um, and that's where we came in. They called. They said, hey, we have a almost two-year-old and an almost three-year-old little girl and little boy. Um, are you guys willing and able? And um, I basically got as much information as I could and things that I normally ask when we are um, thinking about taking a placement in is, is it a first-time removal? Because if it's a first-time removal, that's a little different behaviors compared to if a child's been bounced around from foster home to foster home, normally that means behaviors are really bad, like harming or sexual issues or drug issues. And those are things that I definitely have to be very careful about bringing into our home. Um, so questions like that or, okay, are 
biofamily involved? What is what is the background of the removal? As much as you can give me, because HIPAA law provide uh, like says that you know they can't give you all the details. Um, so just things like that, like hey, are you guys gonna help me? Do they have clo- clothing vouchers available? Um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Those are the type of questions that I will ask. Um, and then I basically say, let me call my husband and talk to my kids and go from there. So I hung up the phone. I kind of said, hey, because I did mention it to my daughter. Hey, I think we're getting a placement. Um, my teenage son was still sleeping. And then Dominic, of course, was like, sure, kids to play with. Sounds fun to me. Um, but I called my husband and basically was like, it's on my heart, but you're the one that's going to have to talk me off the ledge at this point in time. Cause I feel like we've said no a few times now that we need, we need to just jump back in. Otherwise it's, we're going to continue to say no. Um, and so he basically was like, well, you know, I got to work a lot and you're home with the kids. So really it's, it's up to you. Um, and what you really want to do. And so I said yes. (laughs) I said yes to um, bringing in a almost two-year-old little girl and an almost three-year-old little boy to our already three children. Um, So here we are. (laughs) Um, And so that started the process. So Then a caseworker reached out to me and basically said that they were going to be taking the children from the foster home. They needed to do a visit with the bio parents. They also needed to go to the emergency room because little girl had a big cut in her finger and she needed to get stitches removed. Um, And that, you know, hey, when, when could we come? And I was like, well, anytime between two or three. Um, I also let, uh, the caseworker know like, Hey, I got nothing. Like I need a crib. I need car seats. I need whatever you can provide because I have nothing. And, um, that's a lot to come up with on the fly. Um, the state of Oregon does provide a clothing. I can't even talk because I'm that tired. You guys, (laughs) um, it provides a clothing voucher. And so of course, every state is different. Every County is different. And these are things you need to look into if you do decide to do foster care. But in Oregon, in Josephine County, every child that is removed from their home directly, so not from another foster home, but from their home directly, gets a clothing voucher of $125. And that goes to specifically shoes, socks, underwear, you know, clothing items. Um, Not diapers, not formula, not bedding, um, not any of that stuff. You do have... um, some foster parent associations that will have things for you to get or there's other programs like around here there's a program um, in the more metro areas called every child that um, has programs and will help provide car seats and strollers and all of that stuff too Um, it's not that big in Josephine County because we're a very small county and so they're just working on those sort of things right now (laughs) um 
so she basically was like, okay, I'll start working on that. So as I prepared Monday for the children, um, after I hung up the phone with her, it was basically freak out moment. I started running around the house trying to get as much laundry done, get the dishes done, straighten up, start pulling out what I did have toys-wise and a porta crib and um, pull some blankies. And I went on to, you know, walmart.com and I started like listing off things that I could buy for food, um, for our normal groceries, but also for little, little people food, um, sippy cups and things that I knew I would need in the right now and very present day when we got them. Um, so it was just a rush, rush, rush. But in the same time, I've also learned that they might say they're dropping kids off or they might say, um, you're getting a, this age child and you get a whole other different child or this is their size and you it the sizes are completely off and so I've also learned that while I want to rush and jump into getting as much done as possible before they get here the reality is you can't do a lot until they're actually here and so um what I did do is I went and picked out the clothes that I needed from Ross um, one of the ladies from DHS met me there. She paid for it. I bagged it up, went home, and at least got that stuff situated. I, you know, the normal things like socks, shoes. Um, I got some jammies. You know, things that I knew that would help us just get through the right now. Um, after that was done, it basically, like we were on pins and needles. It was whenever we got the next phone call. So... Um, it was a hurry, 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 and now wait. And luckily, I have an amazing group of friends that have reached out and were like, hey, we're going to provide food for you. Um, let me know when we can bring food and so on. Uh, so my friend decided to drop off food, and at the same time she was dropping off dinner, we were also getting our placements. And that was about 6.30-ish on um monday night it was a hey here's the kids they had some major blowouts today um sorry their dirty laundry's in this bag we'll try to get you car seats and a crib hopefully tomorrow when i come back um and here is a bag with some some clothes we don't really know what's in the clothes and here is about two packages of diapers and a thing of wipes and then they said okay we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> and that's how our first night started um I do a mental check like I check them out as they're coming into the house we always look at their hair really quickly I don't make it obvious but that is something I also do ask um about when I'm talking to DHS, like, hey, have they been checked for lice? Um, and then once they get in, we kind of just let them putt-putt real quick. I take their bag. I put it in the laundry room to get that stuff washed and dried. Um, because, again, we don't want to bring in anything into our home. We do baths, which that 
itself was hard. <laughs> um, little man was not really wanting to take bath. He was uh, very scared. Um, and I know it's hard to to think that children are scared of water, but um, the reality is some of these kids have not had any water, running water in the homes that they've been in or the vehicles that they're living in. And so taking a bath and running water sometimes is not an everyday concept that um, they get to have. And so giving grace on that and doing it slow um, and checking nails. I know like I was trying to clean toenails because um, the children that were placed, it looked like there was caked on dirt. And so as I was cleaning, it actually looked like purple nail polish. That's how bad the dirt was. Apparently they weren't wearing shoes and don't wear shoes. Um, and as I was washing, I was like, this is more than dirt. I, I think there's more going on with their feet. And so that's something we're addressing with uh, topical ointments and gonna go see doctors and all that stuff later on. But that's kind of what happens on day one. It's an inventory of what the kids are needing. It's a rush of emotions. Um, that first night we didn't sleep very well. Little girl slept in my husband in my room and um, little man slept in the boys room, but he actually slept in Dominic's bed and Dominic slept with his sister because we didn't have enough, we didn't have enough cribs. We didn't have enough beds. And so we played, um, we played ring around the beds. <laughs> so, um, but everyone went to bed, everyone, it worked out. Bedtime itself was a very interesting routine too. Um, little Miss fell asleep right away and um, she actually fell asleep on the couch. She was so tired, but little man cried. Um, we tried to soothe him, but what I've also come to realize is some of them need um, a little distance and so they're processing a lot. So we, we go in and soothe and then we give a little bit of distance. Um, depending on the age, you know, and depending on the circumstances that, you know, where they're coming from, it, it all varies. And so for these kids, I knew that they needed a little bit of self-soothing. So I'd go in and out, checking in on them. Um, they slept through the night, <laughs> which is great. Um, and they slept pretty late, actually. Um, on Tuesday morning, I actually had to wake Little Miss up around 8.30, um, and we prepared for the next day. Uh, once a child is placed in your home, they have to do a 24-hour visit, and that even goes from if they move child from our house to another foster parent house, they just have to go back in and check and make sure that everyone's situated, you have what you need, and so on. So I was told that at that visit, I would get two car seats and a crib. I was given two car seats. Um, they were new to us car seats. And I was given another porta crib. So for me, long term, a porta crib is not something that we will definitely 
be utilizing. So we're working on right now um, cribs and toddler beds and still all of the things. But again, I don't rush into it because I want to make sure what I'm bringing into home is something that is really going to work for them, their setup, and our family. Um, but day two went pretty good. It was just feeling out skills and trying to learn new baby language and um, just kind of go slow and get things situated. Um, it's also a day where I figure out um, food habits. Um, I, we had definitely a lot of blowouts the first night so you could tell that they were dehydrated and not properly nourished. Um, and so making sure that we're doing a bland diet, but then also making sure that we're trying new vegetables and fruits because when they first come into your home, they tend to eat whatever's put in front of them because they have had such a lack of. And so at that time, I try to put as much, you know, green beans and um, veggies and fruit and different things on top of also um, the comfort foods like mac and cheese and bread and peanut butter and jelly, allowing them to get the both of best, the best of both worlds. Um, so we definitely were just trying things out. We were working on just language like please and thank you and that's something I automatically do just like our normal toddlers we have to be very intentional on oh water please okay thank you you know so things just like that to help build the language it's funny because little miss is one years old but she will be two this Sunday happy birthday. <laughs> this is what we get to deal with. And little man is two and will be three. So mom didn't wait very long in between the two. Um, but little miss is very smart. Um, uh, and, uh, very, not very emotional. She is clingy where little man is very emotional his verbs, he's smart, like he can name ear and nose and list those things off. Cars are his favorite. He brings me a thousand cars and talks about cars. Um, but as far as like understanding in a, a constant um, language, it's not all there yet. And so we're working on that. Um, so yeah, it's it's day three. It's Wednesday. What day is it? Um but today, we're kind of getting in a groove. Today, I was able to take the kids out to a friend's house and kind of just let them run around. It's definitely hard with three uh, or two toddlers and one mini man. Um, and trying to keep track of all of them, especially when part of the skills for little man is he doesn't acknowledge, you know, stop and... Um, go and so you know I'm yelling hey stop as I'm chasing him down um and so there's definitely beauty and grace when you have a group of people that can invite you over and understand I'm going to be running around with my head cut off most likely trying to corral and deal with skills and just um figure out what our new normal is um 
I'm very appreciative too that I've had so many people rally around to buy things on our Amazon list and because I am one of those people that I just go and I do and I I'll figure it out or I'll I'll just buy it if I need to because I don't want kids to go without in our home. I want them to know that they deserve whatever we can give them, but I can also tell you that breaks the pocketbook. Um, and so asking for help doesn't mean you can't handle it. It means that you know that you need to succeed and for success, you need to have to be able to ask for help. And that's something I wish I would have learned earlier on our first go around. Um, so that's kind of been the day we we had naps. Like I haven't had kids that have napped in the car. Dominic was not a napper in the car, not a napper in general. So we had naps and we had lunch and we played and we laughed. We also cried um, and because I'm not allowing certain skills you know, behaviors. And so we're learning. Uh, little Miss is sassy, and if she doesn't get her way, she'll throw things or hit you. Um, and Little Man likes to just cry about things, which I understand. I would want to cry if I was in his situation too. So, um, you know, what I am really just amazed about this time around is the rally of people. And it's something that I've talked about with other foster parents that um, are very open about their journey is that when we ask for help, we get it. And the first time around, I was very hush-hush and I was very quiet because the state itself really tells you that you're not supposed to share case details. And so I feel that because of that and because of there's somehow shame attached to asking for help and I can do it on my own. Um, new foster parents don't ask for help or people in the community really have no clue what to do or what to say. And so having these podcasts and having people on Instagram and having these conversations really just allows you to see like you're not alone um, and that there's ways to serve and there it, it's crazy, but it also will settle down too. And so my hope and my lesson that I'm sharing with you today is that there's no right time to foster. There just really isn't. If you have it on your heart, say yes. I mean, say yes. The worst that can happen is that you realize it just isn't for me instead of having that regret. And you also don't have to open up your home to actually serve kids in care in your community. I have friends that say, I can bring you a meal. I can babysit. I can run to the store. I've got clothes for you. You know, those are so many other ways for you to say yes to kids in the community. You don't have to always open up your home. It's a hard journey and this journey is not for everyone and that's okay. But for me, as a Christian or as a community, we need to realize that there is a whole group of kids going under the radar because foster parents are asked to be silent and people in the community do not want to walk in the uncomfortable. But I can tell you, I have grown so much in the uncomfortable. Those are the moments 
that have made me be a better person and just wanted to do more for the kids in our community, for the bio parents that are struggling. Um, And honestly, for me, this is just a reminder of how someone in the community can change a child's life forever. So if you have questions on how you can serve or how you can foster or how you can support foster families in your community, please reach out to us. And thanks for listening to this episode and stay tuned for the next one. So think about all those things we talked about today. Stay tuned for more episodes. Make sure you follow, like, and share with your friends the Bold Life Out Loud podcast. And make sure to find me on Instagram at Geronimo Project. I want to hear your comments, questions. Let me know what you think and what you want to hear because you are not alone on this journey. So continue to live out loud and I will see you next time on Bold Life Out Loud podcast.